I've heard it said that uh, when the aeroplanes hit the World Trade Center on that fateful day in September 11, I've heard it said that of all the phone calls made by people trapped in those towers, none of the calls were people ringing their stockbrokers to check how their investments were going. None of those calls were people ringing up to see if their sporting team had won or whether what their grade average was. I've heard it said that none of the messages, none of the messages were of hate or revenge. I've heard it said that when the planes hit the towers, every single phone call was a message of love. Fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, husbands and wives, girlfriends, boyfriends, school friends. Now, I'm not sure how anyone could really know that. And yet it does sort of ring true, doesn't it? That when life turns difficult, when things look bad, when life gets stripped back to what matters most, it is so often love that we reach for. Why is that? Why is love so important to us? In my Penguin International Book of Quotations, it has easily more quotations about love than any other topic. Page after page after page of quotes about love. Think of the movies we watch. Consider the songs we listen to. Full of stories about love between friends, between family members. Why? Why does love seem to matter so much to us? Now, it's an especially good question to consider as Christians because I don't know whether you've noticed it or not, but the Bible, loving one another, is an extraordinarily important activity. I mean, did you feel the force of those verses that scrolled by on the screen a little earlier? Verses which point out that love is the greatest attribute of the Christian life. Love is the greatest commandment of God. Loving one another is what characterises and distinguishes who we are as disciples of Jesus. Love is, love should be, what makes you and I stand out from the crowd. And so again, with even greater force because we're followers of Jesus, why? What's the big deal about love? Why is it so important? Now, over the next few, three weeks, we're going to be spending our time here at church thinking about the topic of love. Not so much the romantic, erotic sort of love, not the sort of being in love type of love. Although, don't misunderstand me, don't get me wrong. That is a delightful, intoxicating type of love. I love feeling that sort of love towards Sue, but we did think about that sort of love late last year when we looked at Song of Songs. If you missed that, you can catch it up on the website. Over the next few weeks, we're not going to be thinking so much about being in love with that one special person. We're going to be thinking about the more general teaching in the Bible of, of loving one another. The sort of love that God calls us to have towards our brothers and sisters in Christ. And this morning, I'd like to kick it off by asking the why question. Why is it important that we love each other? I think the first two verses of this morning's reading can help us see why. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Dear friends, let's love one another, 
For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever doesn't love doesn't know God because God is love. When I first started thinking and preparing this series of love, there was almost, almost too much to think about. You do a word search on love in the Bible and it is all over the place like a rash. Love is everywhere. And so at first I was sort of a little bit overwhelmed, didn't really know where to start. And yet the more I read, there was, there was one particular book, there was one particular passage that I kept coming back to time and time and time again. It's the passage that Helen read for us earlier. 1 John 4, 7 to 12. Now in these next three weeks, we're going to be walking very slowly through just those verses. There'll be times when we'll step out of them to chase down an idea. But 1 John 4, 7 to 12, that's pretty much going to be our home for the next few weeks. And this morning, it's just these first two verses that I want us to pay attention to. Verses originally written to a group of early Christians to help them understand what genuine Christianity is all about. Because at the time 1 John was originally written, at that time, there was a dangerous, false version of Christianity floating around the early church. And in 1 John, the Apostle John explains what true Christianity is. He explains, he describes what true Christians look like. And here in this section of the letter, John is saying that love is one of the true signs of the genuine Christian. Look, for example, at the second half of verse 7. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever doesn't love doesn't know God. Now, you get the point? Fair income Christians love one another. Here's the thing for this morning, though. Notice the two reasons in these verses which John gives for why genuine Christians love one another. They are both reasons that draw a connection between love and God. Look again at verse 7. Dear friends, let's love one another. And why should we? Well, it's for love comes from God look again at verse 8 whoever doesn't love doesn't know God and why why don't they know God well it's because God is love now you're catching that reasoning why should you love the other people in this room why is there something wrong with you if you don't love the other people in this room well it's because of what God's like it's because love comes from God and God is love Let's pursue those two thoughts a little bit. Firstly, the one about God is love, which is quite a statement if you think about it. It doesn't just say God is loving, God is love. Now, friends, that's a phrase that's alerting us to the fact that there is something about love that takes us to the very essence of who God is. That love is somehow part of the very fabric, the very makeup of God. Now, John doesn't really go into detail about how that's the case here, but I think John's gospel does. Because in John's gospel, Jesus, at several points, describes God the Father as loving him and showing him all things. And Jesus says that he, in turn, loves the Father, and he does everything that the Father shows him. And so, for example, think of a loving farmer a farmer who has a son who he adores and delights in. And every day, the two of them spend the day together on the farm. And the father carefully shows his precious son everything he does on the farm so as to preserve the family traditions. 
shows him how to drench the sheep, shows him how to fix the fence, shows him how to prepare the land. Every single thing he does, the farmer shows his son because he loves his son. He delights to share with his son. For the son's part, he's not being forced into this, he loves being shown all these things because he utterly adores his dad, idolises his dad. And so the son does every single thing he's shown, exactly as he's shown, exactly as the dad does it, because the son is utterly devoted to his dad. Now in John's Gospel, that is a picture that Jesus gives of him and God the Father. And it's an amazing insight into the workings of God. Because remember, this is all somehow going on inside God. Because remember, God the Father, God the Son, the mystery of the Trinity is that they are both God. Both perfectly united within the one divine being. Now, is that hard to get your head around? Absolutely. Is that abstract? Sure. But what it's showing us is a God of eternal, internal love. The Father always loving the Son. The Son always loving the Father. All somehow, all within the one God. And therefore, God is not simply loving to his creation. He's not just simply loving to things outside of himself. He is profoundly, mysteriously loving within himself. Bottom line, it's impossible to think of God without thinking of love. The two are intrinsically, deeply, profoundly, mysteriously linked within the very nature of God, so much so that John says, not just that God is loving, he is love. And what's really exciting is that you and I get swept up into all of this as well. Because remember the second connection which John explains between God and love. Yes, God is love, but also verse 7, love comes from God. In other words, love is to God what heat is to a flame. Love is to God what light is to, a, to the sun. Love is both an essential, internal, integral part of who God is, but love is also what he radiates out. Love emanates from him to us so that we get to enjoy love as well. Any love that we get to enjoy in this life, it is only in this world because of God. He is love and love comes from him. Actually makes you how stupid it is when you hear people make those sorts of jokes about, you know, oh, I don't mind going to hell um, after I die because that's where all my friends will be. Ever heard people say that sort of stuff? Heartbreakingly stupid. Because sure, sadly, their friends might be there. But friendship won't be. For love in all its dimensions comes from God. And to be banished to a place from which God has totally withdrawn, that is to be in a place from which love has totally withdrawn and you don't want to be there the fact that love comes from God it also means that what we're doing this morning reading the Bible to see what it says about love it's actually a really good idea isn't it because if you want to understand what love is if you want to understand how love operates surely it's God to whom we must look 
It's not your friends or family that will give you the best advice about love. It's certainly not Hollywood or advice columns in the magazines that will help you figure out love. Whatever helpful insights any of those other sources might have, it all depends on the extent to which they reflect what God says about love. Because remember, after all, God is the love motherload. Every seam of love running through your life, every expression of love you get to experience, it comes from him. The God who is love, the source of love. Are you beginning to perhaps get a feeling as to why love is such an important part of our lives? I mean, it's hardly surprising, is it, that we as human beings seem to be hardwired for love. Because when love is such an integral part of who God is, it's hardly surprising that love is also an integral part of who we are as human beings made in his image. But even more to the point in John, given what God is like, it's hardly surprising that love is especially important to those who are his children in Christ. Verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Last week, Sue and I ran a seminar at a mid-year conference for Christians uh, from the same university as our daughter, Felicity. Some of uh, Felicity's friends were actually in our seminar and afterwards they were chatting to Flick, telling her that they could just tell that, that we were her parents. You've, you have so got your mum's eyes. Your smile is just like hers, they, they told her. Now, I think Flick was actually pretty relieved that they weren't saying she looked like me. But that's how families work, isn't it? Often in a family, as Alice pointed out, there's resemblances, there's family likenesses, there's characteristics where where children take after their parents. And and that's the thought that John is building here about love. Because did you notice there in verse 7 how after, after mentioning this close, intrinsic connection between love and God, notice how he then deliberately begins using family imagery. He starts speaking about everyone who loves being born of God born of God because he's teasing out the fact that in God's family love is the family likeness it's almost as if love is such a strong part of who God is as we have seen it's almost it's the point that God that that love is such an important part of who God is that it is always passed on to his children it's always expressed it's it's the dominant gene that will always show itself in those whom God has reborn. Because our Heavenly Father's love. Our dad is the source of love. And I would love that to be an encouragement to you this morning. Because many of you here are fantastic at loving each other. Just dropping in to make sure someone's okay because they weren't here this morning. Many of you are busy through the week, praying through the church directory, making meals for others, doing their shopping, doing their housework, minding their kids. As I speak, people are loving us by teaching our children about Jesus at the other end of the building. Without even looking at it, I reckon I could guess the names 
that are on the help board in the foyer for the Western Plains Convention. And I know that some of you have arrived here early and you're going to leave late so as to help set up and pack up and practice music. And I know some of you are here conscious of looking out for visitors and new people. I know some of you are here and you're feeling really stressed and tired and it's hard work getting to your growth group during the week but you're determined to do it out of love for the others in the group. I know some of you are here and you struggle with young children just to be here. I know some of you come in during the week when there is no one to see you and you do stuff and clean stuff. And I know some of you give a heap of money to other Christians. Friends, it's testimony to the fact that you are born of God. It's testimony of the fact that you know him. He's your dad. And it shows. You have the, hum- the, the family lo- likeness. And I'd love you to feel encouragement from these verses. Mind you, there's also a sting in the tail here, isn't there? Have a look again at verse 8. Whoever doesn't love doesn't know God because God is love. Now, please notice here that John's specific concern is not just love in general, it's loving fellow Christians. That's what he's especially got on view here. He's writing to a specific church family, and in verse 7, the context is of loving one another. And at the end of the chapter, it's even more explicit because he's speaking of loving your brother. And so the point John is making here is that irrespective of what someone might say or claim about being a Christian, if they don't love their fellow Christians, if they don't seek the good of their brothers and sisters in Christ, well, really, they're just having themselves on. Because if someone is an authentic member of God's family, you'd expect to see the family likeness, wouldn't you? You expect to see love. Sort of pulls the rug from that other old saying that often gets trod out. You know the one about, look, I'm a Christian, I just don't go to church. I don't think you need to go to church to be a Christian. Now, on one level, I get that. I get that being a Christian is all about being forgiven through the death and resurrection of Jesus. I get that being a Christian is not based on what we do, but what Christ has done for us. I get all of that. But I reckon the Apostle John would say that if you don't want to go to church, if you don't want to be a part of the church, if you don't want to even be with other Christians, let alone love them, what on earth makes you think you're a Christian? It's what we do. It's who we are. Our dad is love. And like him, we love. We love each other. And we get together and encourage one another. It is the telltale sign of being his child. The Apostle John, in his wildest dreams, couldn't imagine a fair income follower of Jesus saying, they don't want to go to church. For God's children take after their dad. We love each other. So do you? In a couple of minutes as we're having morning tea, why don't you just pause and take the time to look around the room. And I mean really look around the room. Perhaps notice some other people for the first time. Do you love them? What proportion of people here would you not even know their name? 
What proportion of people here would you not know anything at all about their life? What proportion of people here have you encouraged or helped in the last week? The last month? The last year? Whoever doesn't love doesn't know God. God's love. Let me pull the threads together. Why is loving one another such a big deal? Why does the Apostle Paul say that love is even greater than faith and hope? Why does Jesus say that by love people will know that we are his disciples? Why is it so important? It's because love takes us to the very heart of who God is. He is love. He radiates love. And it is such a big part of who he is. It is such an integral part of who he is that it cannot help but be the characteristic that is passed on to his family. Love is effectively the family trait that most characterises those who have been born of God. And if it does not categorise you... it probably means you're not in the family. And so, here's an idea. Let's love one another. Let's live out the family likeness. Let's do what those verses on the screen actually said. Let's love each other so well that people will know that we are Jesus' disciples. Let's be devoted to each other in love. Let's do everything in love. Let's follow the way of love. Let's walk in love. Let's put on love. Let's abound more and more in love. Let's consider how we may spur one another on to love. Above all, let's love each other deeply. And when we are tempted not to love... Let's rebuke ourselves. Let's tell ourselves, that's not us. That's not who we are. By the grace of God, we're better than that. We are born of God. Our dad is love. Loving one another, it's what we do. I'll pray. Father, again, we thank you for loving us. Thank you that you are love, that all the love that we enjoy in this world comes from you. And as your children, we, th- we thank you especially for our rebirth in Christ through his death and resurrection. Father, by your word and spirit, help us to live out your love in our lives so that people will look at us and know that we are your son's disciples. Amen.